This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. Welcome back to the Patriots Dynasty podcast. Had a bye week last week, but uh, in preparation for a big game, you kind of have to do that. So we're back. And it is your host here, Andy Brown, along with both brothers, Brown, Greg and Steve, who I believe actually both watched the game this week. I always watch the game. Me too. I think we both know I wasn't talking about you, Steve. Bobby's on. Bobby's on. Oh, and we got way two to ruin the surprise. Yeah. yeah, Kelly's here ruining the surprise. Uh, <laughs> Kelly has lurked into the bedroom. She Kelly can't hear just, anything we're saying. <laughs> Andy was just about to announce me. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. Okay, I'm fine. Okay, bye. Bye, Kelly. Good that input. Good. Yeah. Thanks for the contribution. Great start. Uh, yeah, and so for uh, the surprise that was now ruined, uh, we've also. With us joining us today, our brother-in-law, Bobby Bridges, the Carolina Panthers fan, Bobby Bridges. It felt appropriate to bring him back. We've talked to him before, but uh, these are better circumstances for you, Bobby, I would think. I'm just here to boost my ratings from the last time I was on. (laughs) With whom? Yeah. (laughs) I'm getting three anyways. One of them was mom. With all all the Patriots fans that, that are dying to hear you come back on the podcast? I just add whatever flavor I can. I love it, yeah. So the last time we talked to you, um, the Panthers were 1-15 in 15 finishing out that season. This was only two seasons ago, and the Patriots had thrashed them to end their season going right. into their, their playoffs. Um, and you said it was the low point in the franchise's history, if I recall. I believe that's accurate. Yeah. So then would that make this 2003 team uh the high point or just a high point yeah i was thinking that um i for me personally high point like this was a high watermark this was like i mean this is the most important panthers game i've ever watched most important panthers game in my life um i high moment for the franchise i think arguably in retrospect yes because wow. we don't even need to talk about that stupid ass shit show against Denver a few years ago. Yeah, I mean those are those are the only competition, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, but which team would you say was better as a as a Panthers fan? Because that that more recent one with Cam Newton, they were what fifteen and one. Yeah, yeah that was a better team. Um, but this two thousand three team was grittier. Very. And the second half showed that, as I yeah. recall. Yes. Uh, so yeah, these uh, these Carolina Panthers back in 2003 finished the season 11 and five, uh, was good enough for the three seed in the NFC, and they kind of had a bit of a wild ride to the Super Bowl because I know we actually touched on it last week, week before, um, when the Patriots were playing their oh their divisional game against uh, the Titans, Titans in the cold, yeah. They were they kept showing highlights of the the Panthers game because they were playing the Rams and they beat the Rams in double overtime where Steve Smith took a quick slant and just fucking housed it. Walked it off. 
yeah. first yeah, play. This was the most important game, but that Rams game is my favorite Panthers game of my entire life, actually. I, I actually vividly remember that game and where I was watching it. And uh-huh. I that Steve Smith play, I remember that, that play is seared into my soul. <laughs> it was the only I, way it could have gone down. I, I, I can I can picture it in my in front of my eyes right now. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that feeling. I, I have that for with a few pages, please. Um but that actually brings me to my point. I because I feel like Steve's I don't I kind of want to hear what my brother have to say about this. I feel like Steve Smith is like a Rodney Harrison type of guy where you love him if he's on your team, but otherwise you think you fucking hate him. Yeah, he was like kind of to me. I knew you would, Greg. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, Bobby, him. I imagine like he's probably one of like the top like Panthers in Panther history, right? I have no hesitation in saying he's the greatest Panther in history. And oh. my opinion is if you didn't like Steve Smith, you didn't fucking like football. Agree. <laughs> Complete agree. He's different than Rodney in that even if he's not on your team, you love him because he's just fucking awesome. But I feel like he was that same, like always played right on the edge, would just trash talk the shit out of everybody all the time. And like he seemed to be able to rile up the other team in a way that felt very reminiscent of a Rodney Harrison. He was like a Heinz Ward to me. Same That's sort a of- pretty good comparison. Yeah, I think he was probably more talented than Heinz Ward, but yes. But also, like, if you're going to, I mean, Steve Smith's making my top 10 all time athletes in terms of biggest chip on your shoulder. Like, mm-hmm. he's up there in terms of just like every game showed up with a like, I heard all these motherfuckers thought I sucked at football, like literally before every game. And like the thing about his trash talk was like that shit cut deep. I mean, the the most hilarious moment ever was this like Minnesota game when he like just just ripped Fred Smoot's like soul out of his body. I think that was the like ice up sun game. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's even better now with like the the analyst stuff he did, like he was doing Thursday night football halftime show. And like Mm -hmm. Michael Irvin was like trying to like playfully talk shit to him about like his suit or something. Oh, that's right. And Steve Smith was just having none of it. He was just like, (laughs) he was like, fuck you. I'm a better receiver than yours. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he responds to every moment. And and it's become clear in all aspects of his life. Like if you have something to say, I have a response. I'm coming for you. He also apparently runs like an Epic soccer camp. Really? Soccer. Yeah. His kids his kids play soccer. He's like super into it. No shit. Interesting. Pretty sweet. So I just Googled uh like top Steve Smith best of Steve Smith seniors trash talk on baltimoreravens.com of all websites. Whatever. Uh they can yeah, try to the, claim that ownership if they want. Yeah, well, I know. Um, but the slideshow. The number, the first slide is I look in the eyes of all my victims before I take their lunch money. Hmm. <laughs> that sounds right. It sounds beautiful. right. Yeah, it really does. Um, and there's another one. I don't know who he's talking about, but we're not on the same team anymore. So I'm going to go try and knock his block off too. And when I get up, I'm going to spin the football, go back to the huddle and do it again. Mm. That's just media shit talking too. Yeah. Put your goggles on because there's going to be blood and guts everywhere. I think he said that about coming back to his first Panthers game. Oh, did he? 
He was unhappy about the way things ended. He was not wrong in the way he was treated by ownership. How did it end? I don't think I remember that. They just didn't resign him, and it was just like for a franchise icon, completely inexcusable. Oh, yeah. Cause wasn't it like he was uh, too old and losing a step? Because there's a lot of quotes in here about like... Yeah, and then he went to fucking... Lost a step. And then he went to Baltimore and like had a thousand-yard season and was like, yeah. fuck everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I remember okay. that year. <laughs> this is a good one. Honestly, I want your mom to be pissed off when she sees on SportsCenter that I'm doing her son like dirt. <laughs> <laughs> the difference, like, is, is like, the, you have those players now, like, uh, the guy from the Rams, the cornerback. You have the cocky guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah or the Sherman, the Richard Sherman, but they don't feel as authentically, like, psychopathic as Smith does. That's like, true. that's what's great about Smith is it's very genuine. You could tell it's not like he's just, like, playing a playing nope. a character. He is actually that fucking crazy. Yeah, it was never for attention. It was right. not about spectacle. This was pre-social media. Yep. He, like, actually took all of this shit personally. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, his journey to the league, right? He was, like, a special teams guy from, like, Utah that nobody thought would make it. And, like, you know, he's, like, one of those guys. He, like, he, like truly legit fought and earned his spot in the league. And then I think truly felt disrespected by everyone all the time. It sure seems that way. And that's why I was saying like it, uh, that my comparison was Rodney Harrison, because I mean, Rodney Harrison was the king of nobody believes in us. We're playing with the chip on our shoulder because everybody's talking shit and we're going to prove the world wrong and all that sort of crap. Even when they were in the midst of like a 20 something game win streak and nobody was doubting them. <laughs> Is he in the Hall of Fame, Steve Smith? That's a good question. I don't think he's eligible yet. I was going to say, I don't think he's been retired long enough. Okay. He's one of those like borderline cases on the numbers, but I mean, I think I've made it clear where my my opinion lies. <laughs> I think so too. I think he should get it. It's saying here he's seventh in NFL career receiving yards. That's got to be that's got to be a Hall of Famer. 12th in receptions and 25th in touchdowns. That's got to be. Yeah, that's pretty legit. What about Edelman then? Who also has <laughs> Edelman's sneaky crazy too. Mm. Yeah, I think he's also got that chip on his shoulder. He played, he oh, didn't, yeah. he didn't say, like he didn't talk the same way that um, Steve Smith did, but I think he played the same way. Right. I agree. I always think back to, I think it was the Seattle Super Bowl when they had like the mic'd up version and he like got crunched in a hit and he got up laughing and goes, I yeah. love getting hit. Yeah. And I was like, that, that's just a fucking crazy man. That's a lunatic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or they, he was saying something about how, uh, like he was on the bench mic'd up and he's like, so my dad always said growing up when you have somebody on the ground, you got to step on their throat. Yeah. And then like later on, it comes back to him. He's like, that explains a lot about me actually really, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I think his dad was a bit of a psycho, though. Uh, Edelman's, which makes a lot of sense. He seems a little more like social media savvy, though, and like kind of knows what he's doing. I mean, that know, could also just be a, a sign of the there. times, too, though, right? That's yeah. true. That's true. Um, but yeah. So, Bobby, uh, do you have any like just overall thoughts about this 2003 team? Just memories generally about them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember this team so well. This was like such a such a watershed moment. Um, 
I mean, for me, this was freshman year in college. And uh, in the Keep early days of the Panthers, I like had not, like I didn't, I didn't really get in on the team closely when they were in like, you know, 96 and all that. But like a little bit later on high school started to, because then this was like after we lost the Hornets and like the Panthers were kind of the, the thing in town. Football was growing a little bit, but uh, and I might have said this the last time, but like it was still big time Redskins Cowboys territory, um, which is why actually I, I seem to remember we trashed Dallas in the first round during the stupid Quincy Carter days. And it was such a satisfying victory because the Cowboys fans were such obnoxious assholes. Um, were. And we just like smashed them. I think we might have even, we either shut them out or they only scored like three points. And it was just like fucking assholes. 29 to like, 10, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah i mean this team it was like i mean it, the, the winning season came out of nowhere um you know like you said it's like we were total shit and then 2001 john fox takes over in 2002 it immediately at least makes the franchise respectable i think we went seven and nine the year before um and then was like had the makings of a solid defense but like we're coming into that season and it's like steve smith like this was his blow-up season like he'd been solid in 2002 but like he was just a returner before that. Right, um, right. Musud Muhammad was like a respectable veteran, but he didn't blow up until really about this time as like the the legit number two receiver. Um, we like signed Stephen Davis, I think, from the Redskins. So it's like this like slightly over the hill workhorse back, but like nobody knew if he was going to stay healthy. Um, and then Rodney Pete was the starting quarterback to start that season. Rodney, Rodney Pete. Pete. And uh, it's funny because my. Uh, the first game of that season, we played the Jaguars and my parents went to that game. Um, and that was the game that, that I mean, to like Jake DeLome, remember this, this is fucking Jake DeLome, like coming out of nowhere, NFL Europe, like on the practice squad. And then they put him at halftime when we're losing to Jacksonville. He sparks the comeback um, and then wins the starting job week one. Like people were, I mean, my parents like were buzzing about it coming home. Like people were jacked. The second half was awesome. This guy, Jake Boehm comes on, brings the comeback. And it just, it was one of those seasons, right? Where it's like this like scrappy kind of team of no names comes together. And that was the vibe. Um, but like, I mean, without that team, I don't think the Panthers look like they do now. Like without that team to galvanize the fan base, like, I don't know where things are at. Um, I don't know if the team really gains momentum. Hell, who knows? They might have gotten moved. Maybe I'm being a little dramatic, but like they didn't accomplish much before that. And it's like this season made the Panthers like a, like a legit thing in in the region. And like, so it was a big deal. I mean, they won a lot of close games that season. Um, like I really, they weren't dominant. You know what I mean? They won 11 to five. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure they like won a shitload of like, down to the wire games and close and like it was like scrappy defense and opportunistic offense and you know kind of a like nobody believes in us attitude the whole fucking way and i don't think they were favored in any of their playoff games like even people were talking about dallas beating us when we in the first round which is why it was so disrespectful because <laughs> dallas was trash they had five overtime games and won them all i yeah, know they lost I, one apparently delome had eight game winning drives in yeah, fourth quarter overtime which is an NFL record. Yeah. It was that kind of season. Yeah. It, it, so they then, like you know, come and you got a Delome. <laughs> I mean, I still got my uh, somewhere in the closet. I, you know, I should have fucking worn it. Uh, maybe I'll go get it in a minute. I got a, I got a, I got the powder blue Delome jersey in the closet somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, That's a deep cut. I like that. No, I mean, I, he's one of those guys you can't get his jersey because he's such a fucking dork. <laughs> he looks nope. like he's on drugs. Nope. nope. But the, the he, thing you don't you gotta remember dork. is the whole franchise was a giant dork, and he <laughs> he did something special. So like, I don't. You say whatever you want about him. That guy, that guy's an important franchise player. But yeah, yeah, I mean, but and then, he's, he's a nerd. He's a dork. Oh, totally, totally. <laughs> I'm like watching. Uh, I'd, t- I'd take like four players jerseys over his on this roster. Wow. <laughs> N- name them. Julius Peppers, Steve Smith, uh, Chris Jenkins, Ricky Manning. Boom. Ricky Manning. Yeah. Ricky Manning was awesome. Yeah. He was like, l- like low key contributor glue guy. Uh huh. Big like play guy. Bag. Yeah. Plays best in the big games. I mean, all of this is true from a like, from a like football nerd standpoint, but like, I don't know, like so many of those moments, it's just like, this is a franchise that everything went wrong for beforehand. And then like DeLone was the guy who like, did anybody think he was a franchise quarterback? Nope. By the end of that season, did people trust him to come through in the clutch? Yes. And it was like a moment, you know what I mean? It was like a, it was like a Linsanity kind of moment for a whole season. He was... Uh, only the second undrafted quarterback to start in the Super Bowl. I think he probably still is. I would guess. Was that after Kurt Warner? It was. Yeah, he got a lot of the a lot of the Kurt Warner comparisons that year. Yeah, uh, and uh, like I think you uh, touched on it earlier, Jake Delhomme was uh, the backup for Amsterdam in the World Football League. You know who who he backed up? Kurt Warner. Oh, Ron I would have known this. It was Kurt Warner. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I remember they had a connection from the NFL Europe gig. Mm-hmm. The Amsterdam Admirals. So the Amsterdam Admirals are basically a, a quarterback factory, is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. So a graduate of Southwestern Louisiana yeah, University. Another powerhouse. A college that does not exist. Well, I guess it does. does it's it? UL Lafayette now. They changed their name. That's why I thought I thought they had become Lafayette. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, and then the playoff run, I mean, I was watching all these games in my college dorm and this kind of like helped set the, like I'm going to Davidson, right? So I'm like literally 20 minutes out of Charlotte, but I'm going to college with a bunch of out of staters. Like my whole freshman hall is a bunch, like New Jersey, New England, Florida, like people are all over. And this like cemented me as like, oh, Bob's the like local guy who's like fucking crazy about the Panthers and yells about teams <laughs> and shit. You're that asshole. <laughs> yeah. That was Steve made a fucking friend group out of that. <laughs> oh yeah, mm-hmm. just being like, "Oh, he's a Boston sports guy." Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. And here I am doing a fucking Patriots podcast for sixty-five fucking episodes, rewatching all these games. Yeah, uh, I got a question about Delone. Um, based on the Wikipedia.com entry for Delone. It said, uh, DeLome is noted for licking his fingers before every play and sticking his tongue out as part of his focus, which led him to be a Bojangles fried chicken uh, uh, representative. What do you ever want to call it? Like he was in all the commercials. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> do you remember any of the Bojangles DeLome commercials? Oh, I don't. I was like waiting to be like, what's the question? All of those things are just facts. <laughs> and yes, well, I, 100%, no, the I 100% remember the Bojangles subscri- uh, commercials. 
Awesome. <laughs> I'm assuming. I mean, I also like no joke. Remember the tongue thing. <laughs> I didn't notice it in this game. Dude, he looked like he was on drugs on multiple points in this game. Oh yeah, he looks. He's like he's like kind of wild eyed at times. Um, yeah. that, at one point for years, I had this DVD that was like I got out of like the ten dollar bin at Walmart once on a whim during like maybe later in college, and it was like one of those uh like Super Bowl highlights videos, and it like gave oh, you like yeah. the spiel in every Super Bowl. Yep. And for years, like the before, like the day of the Super Bowl, I would like make my roommates at the time watch it and like get hype. Um, and I remember, I mean, I can vividly remember all the highlights it had for this game, um, which was the second to last game on the disc. The last game on the disc was the Eagle Super Bowl, the next one. And uh, but like you can literally see him in the huddle doing that crazy tongue out shit. Yeah, he was crazy. <laughs> Some country bumpkin crazy ass. He was crazy because and. But I think it was more of a good crazy than like a Steve Smith yes. scary crazy. Yeah. But the, there was one time where, um, not to ruin anything, but he threw a touchdown and he was running down to celebrate it. And Rodney Harrison kind of like shoulder checked him yeah. and he spun around and just started screaming at Rodney Harrison. No mm. idea what he was saying. Sounds right. Drugs. Yeah. That's why I wrote that note, that, that scene there. It looks like he's just on, you know, those guys you see ranting and raving by the 7-Eleven. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah. Looked like he was the other way. Yeah. Yep. Bringing Jesus to the the field. It's great. Are you guys watching the Jake Delone Bojangles commercials now? No. Yeah, I already watched them. They're <laughs> awesome. I think we'll have to put them in the, yeah. the Hazard one. The show yeah, the Dukes to Hazard one's sweet. <laughs> but I, I mean, he was. I mean, you're talking like a, a like underdog upstart franchise in a region that hasn't had football. And here you have this guy who took him to the Super Bowl who, say what you want about him, he, like, bleeds authenticity. So people love that That's shit. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Like, he, none of the shit was an act. He just was himself. You know, that's the, the it's kind of the vibes you got from Brady back in the day, too. Like, yeah, before I was saying, Brady a lot of, became cool, he yeah. was kind of similar, like, nerdy, aw, shucks kind of guy. Mm-hmm. That was like also a competitor when you put him on the field, but you get him off the field, he's like, oh, you know, my teammates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he had more of the like quiet intensity on the field vibe. Yeah, but like yeah. that also, yeah, in those days, read as authentic. Mm-hmm. Of course, now we know it's just, you know, a sociopath, but <laughs> he's like, he was definitely on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Smith is in one of these commercials. Oh, boy. But that's a good one. Uh, yeah, Steve What's Smith is, strikes me as somebody who can't take a joke. Well, I also remember like moments like this the Steve Smith Jake DeLome relationship was interesting because they like simultaneously had a ton of success together and like had a like clear connection. And as Steve Smith sort of like as he hit his prime, there was also this clear tension of like, hey motherfucker, if you would just be a little bit better, I could do a lot more. But he would just like they had the kind of relationship where they would just go at it. Like Steve Smith would just tell him like, motherfucker, you missed that throw in the, in the huddle. And they would just like, that was the relationship. But like, I think that like, that's what set the tone for the whole team. It was just like, we just like, it was like a very like real vibe on that team. It seemed like another strength of this um, Panthers team was their defensive line. Like oh, I remember, yeah. like that's one of the few things I remember from like the build up to the game was just it was nonstop talk about how would the Patriots offensive line handle this 
these absolute fucking monsters on the the Panthers defense. Peppers and Mike Rucker on the end, Brinson Buckner and Chris Jenkins on the middle. Yeah, they were a force. Yeah. They really were. And I thought you kind of saw it early in this game too where like Brady just had absolutely no time and and they were the whole offensive line of the Patriots getting pushed around. Yeah, the first the first half was low scoring, right? Oh, the first, yeah, the first the like first 20 one 25 minutes yeah that's right yeah and then yeah three minutes 24 points were scored right at the end of the half oh that's right it was right before halftime things kind of lit up yeah and then nothing in the third quarter then the fourth quarter yeah back and forth yeah ton of points well it's supposed to be a boring game right because the patriots were the the defensive juggernaut and the panthers had just come off a 14 to 3 win against Mm -hmm. the eagles so the over under is 38 which is Mm. You know, you never see a 38 point over under right. these days. Right. But yeah, I think people were had low expectations of what the Super Bowl would be like. Then the Pats were seven point favorites. So it's like they weren't even expecting like a close game. They were thinking mm-hmm. a low scoring Patriots win. Right. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And it was the complete opposite. It was a fucking shootout that came down to the last play, Tom Brady. which is pretty awesome. It wasn't, it wasn't, though, because, like, the first half was 14-10. Yep. And actually, after the third quarter, it was still 14-10. And then yeah, and then there was that, the that back quarter. and forth just mayhem at the end, yeah. Yeah. So, do we want to give us a watchability score, boys? We haven't actually done that. We haven't actually said what the final score is, either. <laughs> Everyone knows we went in on, on a last-minute field goal. Yeah, 32-29 after all that, so... 38 point over under and the pages almost covered that themselves as did the Panthers. So nice high scoring game, even though 14, like I said, 14, 10 going into that fourth quarter, there was one, my two, man, John three, Casey four, kicked five, it out of bounds, five yeah, touchdowns, yeah. that final, that final kickoff. Yeah. And he was like, he was a really good kicker too for you. I'll say no bad words about him. Another important man in the franchise, but what a tragic moment. It was kind of the opposite of Adam Vinatieri in this game because Adam oh. had struggled all season with misses mm-hmm. and missed his first field goal and then had his second one blocked. So he was 0 for 2 on the game in field goals. Mm. And then it came down to him having to kick. Uh, his, uh, his other field goals were actually shorter, like 30-something yarders. This one was a 41-yard to win it. What a great example of how the, the, the victor set the narrative. Because, like, the Pats lose that game. Vinatieri's a fucking goat. Goat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not in a good way. Wouldn't even nope. close. Yeah. Six, add six points to that. It's true, yeah. Or even three. Also, a tough look for John Casey is, did you see he had earplugs in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is just, for a kicker, that it's just a tough look. That's <laughs> such a kicker thing. Too, you know, it's not even <laughs> supposed to be that loud there. Such a kicker thing. <laughs> I mean... I remember him as like a like pretty weird dude. Really? He was also like old. Yeah. He like yeah. kicked for a long time. Uh, he had like a really long career, but like he was like, I think he might have even been then at that time one of the oldest guys on the team. He was 34. He kicked for 20 years in the NFL. Yeah. The I mean, rookie season was 1991. <laughs> so yeah, he had been around. Speaking of uh, kicking, I have notes on that long snapper from the Patriots. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Speaking of old ass motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, tell me about them. 
so I read that. Uh, I think it's a Sports Illustrated piece. You should read. It. I, got, I got a little quick Cliff Notes version, but if you have time, you should definitely read it. He had snapped for Belichick in Cleveland, had been retired for like three years, and was teaching third grade or second grade in Louisiana. <laughs> and then they brought him up right before the playoffs. Right, because the Patriots' long snapper got hurt. And Both so they brought in the backup, and he got hurt too. So they just didn't have a long snapper. So they literally signed this guy off the street, right? Yeah. But from like Belichick's Cleveland days. So you gotta love that shit. There's nothing better about sports. Yeah. I wanna, I wanna, I wish I could do that as a principal. I wish I could be like, this teacher's on leave. This backup sucks. I'm literally calling somebody I know from college and saying, I need you in here to teach seventh grade science for six weeks. We're on the verge of a major breakthrough. You're a part of the team. Here's a jersey. A lot of pressure. Wear jerseys. A lot of pressure. He's like, he's like taking camcorders around the Patriots facility and his experience and mailing them back to his (laughs) second grade classroom in Louisiana. I would love to see those tapes, by the way. Right? That's awesome. Oh, man. I wonder if we can get a hold of this guy. Yips right before the Super Bowl. And he like he can't snap a ball, save his life. Yeah. He's skipping them all. And if, if you look close, there's, there's a couple of skip snaps in this game on punts. On punts, yeah. And, That's and right. Field goals. Uh so he's like up all night the night before the game, snapping into a pillow. <laughs> goes to goes to the, the meal before the game, tries to cut a dinner roll with a steak knife and fucking gets three stitches. Cuts his fucking hand oh. right before the Super Bowl. The, the the meal the morning of. Bro, get it together. Oh. Yeah. So he's already got the yips. Belichick's pissed at him, but there's nobody else to replace him. Yeah. Nothing then he cuts his do. hand the, the the dinner the day before or the morning of. This is my nightmare. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so he was like, please score a touchdown. Please score a touchdown. They did. And then the Panthers came back and scored another touchdown. So then he was just flipping <laughs> shit when they, uh, when they had the field goal to win it. And he's like, look, you know, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out guns firing. So I'd rather snap it over the guy's head entirely than you know, <laughs> just like dribble that doesn't get there. So yep. he, he ended up cr- crushing it. Perfect snap. The only one he needed. The rest of them didn't really matter. Because it's not like Ken Walter was going to put a good punts together, even if he did snap it to him. It's true. He but was... he, had, he had played with Ken Walter in Cleveland as well, so they'd known each other from like <laughs> way back when. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because Belichick was a coach of them in like late 80s, early 90s. This is not recent. Yeah. Ridiculous times. Jesus. <laughs> His brother is an NFL receiver, Todd Kitchen. I think the Cardinals. Todd Kitchen. I recognize that name. Not, not anymore, but... And then he worked as a college uh, analyst and then retired after explaining that receivers make catches with their hands because they can crest the ball. He added, that's kind of gay, but hey, whatever. <laughs> this is, who is this? <laughs> this is the His long brother? Story. Yeah, no, okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's like uh, the guy for the... So speaking of Carolina, the, the Hurricanes goalie, the emergency goalie was like the equipment manager. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to look it up right now. This was like recently. And he, he pitched like a shutout basically, right? He got into the game. Yeah. yeah. And was just like, 
stonewalling whoever they're playing the blues or someone. I'll try and find it. All right. Yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, there's a lot of those just like stories that are under the radar that you don't even realize are happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, because wasn't there a thing with the Panthers running backs too? I remember Stephen Davis went down in the Rams game and got hurt. And then who was the the second? Deshaun Foster. Yes, Deshaun Foster. That's right. It was always kind of the like change of pace back. Yeah. He's kind yeah, of like the, uh, the the Kevin Falk of the Panthers, I would say. Yeah, but like a third never, down. Never back. quite lived up to the hype, but he had his moments. He had yeah, a sweet yeah. TD in this game. I thought so. He had a like reaching over the pylon TD, didn't he? Yep. And we had one yeah. where like we thought he had him down. He ran into like two guys and then burst out of it and ran yep. really for the touchdown. Yeah, they they showed a stat where. Um, the Patriots hadn't given up a touchdown all season of more than 30 yards, and they did it twice in this game. Mm. And that was one of them was that that Deshaun Foster touchdown. Run. Yeah, I mean, that was the character of that team. It was just like backs against the wall. Not everything's going to go right. We're not the best team on the field in a lot of games, but somebody's going to step up when needed and make a play. I guess they just didn't make uh, one more play enough in this right. game, Bobby. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, what will haunt me forever is – uh. I mean, at the end of the day, if John Casey doesn't kick that that ball out of bounds, I mean, I felt like momentum was swinging our way. Like, I'll, I'll take that game to overtime any fucking day. I'll roll the, I would have rolled the dice on overtime in that game any fucking day. Come on, John Casey. Come on, seriously? You kicked it out of bounds and gave Brady 30 yards to go? God damn it. This is Tom Brady. He was going to do that anyway. That's, that's, that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, he but not then. He's coming from. But not then. Yes, in in 2015, sure. But 2003, Tom Brady, not. And that game, that's not what that game felt like. I don't know. I think the Rams felt the same way. But yeah, yeah, and I think Steve that Smith cut like their fucking yards. throats in double overtime. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, you you can say that, but like, the Patriots had driven down the fields. The last yeah. three, four. Tom Brady had like 350 drives. yards passing at that point. Yeah, guys, we can agree to disagree on this. Both teams were were picking up yards in chunks at this point. We can agree to disagree. The I'm just saying, falling apart. I'm just saying that game should have gone to overtime, and I liked our chances. Yeah, you guys did play a lot of overtime games that year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, you say that, but the Patriots also coming into this, they were what 16 wins in a row or something, and. They had won all of those games except for one by less than seven points. Mm. So both That's really teams were teams that knew how yeah. to win. Close the teams games. were the teams were like more similar than they appeared uh, yeah. at face value yeah, for sure. Absolutely, kind of that strong veteran defense almost. It felt like with in the uh, past overcoming all those injuries. Yeah, mm. yeah, that was incredible early this year. Where That's right. Yeah, they, everybody there was, was some down. They're still just reeling off wins. There was some stat where. The Patriots were leading the league in most different starters with like 40-something. And and they showed a list of all the other teams who had led the league in starters. And I think the most wins on the season was four for those teams that, that suffered that many injuries and had to start so many players. And the Patriots went, what, would they go this season? I don't even remember. Well, 14-2. and two. <laughs> So... Just like figuring out how to plug guys in, and it all worked out. Um, but I think the one guy that they couldn't plug and play 
was uh, Rodney Harrison, actually, who this was one of my memorable moments from the game where he was, he made, it's in the fourth quarter at some point. Oh, it was, it was on that last uh, Carolina touchdown drive where Rodney made the tackle of the, the running back and apparently like broke his arm or like separated his shoulder or something like that. I can't remember what exactly what the injury was. Craig, do you remember? I do not remember. I just remember him being in the sling um, after the game. But so he broke his arm, but Carolina was running the no huddle, so he couldn't get off the field. So he was then in coverage on the next play on, I think it was the tight end, and they threw it to him. The tight end caught the ball, and he had to make the tackle out of bounds with a broken arm and still managed to make the play and then just kind of like laid there out of bounds, which is like one. And then I remember there was some camera shot of him coming out like after the confetti was falling in a sling and he's just like covered in confetti and he's like crying because it's Rodney Harrison and he just runs on emotion. So, but as soon as he went out after that, the Panthers are just like, oh, well, whoever that new guy is, which I didn't even recognize who he was. It's like number 29 or something. Couldn't even figure out who he was on the, the game sheet. But he was he was not good and the pages just picked him apart. With Ricky Prohl, of all people. Ricky Prohl, another key member of that scrappy team. Yeah. I mean, and he was he he was one of those guys who always seemed to show up against the Patriots in Super Bowls. Because mm. this is actually gonna be one of my best at the end, but uh I'll put it in here because it fits. He in this game <laughs> caught the tying touchdown, like mm-hmm. to tie the game up with less than two minutes left. Um, and he also did the exact same thing when he was a member of the Rams in Super Bowl 36. He was the one that caught the tying touchdown with under two minutes left. And then the Patriots did what they did then as well. Yep. So Ricky Prohl, I think he may have also been the guy at the beginning of the Rams Super Bowl to be like, tonight a dynasty is born. Yes, he is. <laughs> yep. Just didn't realize which team he was talking about at the time. He must hate the Patriots. He really must. Yeah. Um, also, well, because he's just next to Ricky Prohl on my list here of, of Panthers players. Bobby, do you have any um, feelings one way or another on Jermaine Wiggins? <laughs> nope, zero feelings. <laughs> he was one of those guys that floated in the background for a while. Another guy who like always kind of flashed like, maybe he'll be kind of good. And nope. Yeah, because he was a former Patriot, and that's how we felt about him too. And now he's... Uh, on one of the sports radio morning shows, mm. Wiggy, good for him. He is unlistenable. <laughs> I uh, I didn't know he was in this game. Uh, for the Panthers, yeah, yeah. He had a couple of catches like right at the end there. Yeah, and he he was the one that hurdled uh, Eugene Wilson, Greg's boy. Yeah, Wilson did not have a good game in this game. Sorry to say, Greg. It's okay. No comments. Doesn't sound okay. He doesn't, does he? No comment. <laughs> Fair enough. Because he's the one that got beat on the uh, the 85-yard touchdown. Oh, yeah. The longest play in Super Bowl history. Is it still? Yes, I looked it up. No. Yep. Longest play from scrimmage it has to be. Because I remember the touchdown, I guess. Mm, it is. No, because the Patriots, had, uh, their Super Bowl 97, gave up like a 99-yard kick return to whoever that Green Bay Packers returner was. Desmond Howard. Desmond Howard, yeah. Okay. Kick returns 
as Greg has said, special teams aren't really a part of the game, so that doesn't count. It's true. <laughs> yeah, and it was definitely the longest field goal or another at the time it happened. It was what? It was the long. It was the longest something at the time it happened. It is oh, still yeah. the, the longest touchdown pass or run in Super Bowl history. Yeah, hmm. against like one of the historic best defenses yeah. in the National Football League. Well, DeLone didn't even complete 50% of his passes. No. No, he started off terribly in this game. I think mm-hmm. I was trying to keep track. Um, they didn't actually have positive offensive yards um, with five minutes left in the in the second half, in the second quarter. Yeah, the beginning mm-hmm. of the game was brutal. brutal. Yeah, he was Don't one watch. for nine for one yard with two minutes left in the second quarter. <laughs> And like three sacks or something like that. So he had, I think think he had negative passing yards. Classic Jake DeLone. Yeah. So, I mean, what did he finish with? He finished with probably a few hundred yards. Oh, yeah. 23, 20 yards, over 20 yards per completion. 16 completions for 323 yards. Jesus. And three three touchdowns. touchdowns. Four sacks, one of which was a fumble, which he lost. You got to think the man can live with that. That's that's how he showed up in the Super Bowl. You got to think, you know. He's the best riding horses in Lafayette, yeah. in Louisiana, somewhere, and he's his mind is at peace. You would have to think so, yeah. Because I mean, they didn't have really any offense going. They they couldn't get the running game going either. Stephen Davis was he had a bad day. No, and they were they were a really run oriented team. Right, exactly. And they kept trying it. Uh, Stephen Davis, thirteen carries, forty nine yards, with the longest of twenty one. So, yep, not not great. And then Deshaun Foster, three carries. 43 yards, but one of those was a 33-yard touchdown. That, yeah, yeah, this was, was really before the era when you're tossing a lot of passes to your, your running back. Yeah. So it was it was mainly Jake DeLome to Steve Smith and Mushin Muhammad. Can we talk about Anton Smith's stat line, by the way? 26 yes. carries. 26 carries, 83 yards and a touchdown. Touchdown. Hell yeah. I got one in this, yeah. Touchdown. Yeah. He was sneaky good in this game. He was, yeah. The, the Patriots running game was actually because it started off real slow. But Antoine Smith, again, we've said it the last couple of weeks, is running like it's 2001 again because he has been yeah. like the wheels had fallen <laughs> off worse. through the regular season. I don't know if they were saving him or what, but he was Maybe. actually running it relatively effectively in this game. Especially against that D-line, too. Everyone thought they were absolutely tough. They couldn't run it all year. Yep. And then the Panthers have a monster D-line. For him to get 83 yards and a touchdown... Huge. Yeah. Uh, quick question on uh, what you boys thought about our Lord and Savior, Troy Brown, in this game. Oh, big Troy Brown game. You know, this is a big game for both my favorite receivers, Troy and David Givens. David yeah, David Givens had a, had a good game. Yeah. I mean, Dion Branch had the numbers, 10 catches, 143 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, but, it didn't seem like Dion, Dion seemed like the third best receiver out there. Yeah, and the commentators were talking about how he was the he was Brady's new like favorite target, which everyone's like, you know, you'd expect it to be Troy Brown, but Brady says it's it's Deion Branch because you know for whatever reason he's small but he's strong. Um, and then you get to the last drive of the game, and it's incomplete to to Deion Branch. Brady to Troy Brown, Brady to Troy Brown, Brady to Troy Brown, Brady to Graham, <laughs> and then Brady to Branch. So. 
Yeah, well, you, you're just discounting the most important play of that drive is Brady to Branch. Yeah, that's true. Greg has got a good play. That's the game that game won ceiling. the Super Bowl, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you look at that play, uh, all, they're both on the same side. They were both wide open. So he could have hit. He so why do you throw at the branch? It's because his favorite player. You're going to say was that open deeper down the field. Brady's Brady's favorite player is not dictated by Brady. It's it's up to him who his favorite player is. And he told the commentators it was branch. Yeah. And I disagree. And you disagree with Brady yeah. as right. to who Brady's favorite player is. Well, think about branch's stat lines in his two Super Bowls here, back to back years. Yeah. Yeah. I it's thought, pretty crazy. 10 catches, 143, and a touchdown in this one, and then he wins the MVP in the next one. Yeah. Yeah. I think That's he sets the, the record for catches in the next one. Isn't that what it is? Something like that. In the Super Bowl? Yeah. But, yeah, there's, there's some good uh, good wide receiver play on both ends of the ball, really, like on both sides. Yeah. Like, the yeah, it was – because usually you see the Patriots kind of spread the ball around, um, and Brady's favorite receiver is the open one, but in this one it was pretty much all wide receivers, I thought. It really was. Um, didn't do like a lot of screen or any any bubble screens either. It was all passes down the field. Yeah, which was very unusual. And it sounded like, and Bob, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like the uh, the Panthers relied on a lot of screens in the regular season as well, similar to the Patriots' offense. But yeah, I, mean, I think this there game. were a lot of similarities. Um, like they were a running team, and then. I mean, they lived on, they, they made their money on play action and like mm-hmm. Steve Smith bailing them the fuck out, you know, and do pulling out crazy shit. Yeah. So very similar. There's a, there's something I wrote down from the first quarter. It was third and six and they ran the ball. And, and Sims said, I know it's not exciting to watch, but it's kind of fun. And I was <laughs> like, well, no, it's not exciting and it's not fun either. <laughs> oh, we going into the commentators? Also oh, presaging yeah. Phil Sims eventually getting the axe for being fucking boring as hell. Yeah, he was pretty <laughs> bad. I don't know. He called Julius Peppers being a beast. I mean, Julius Peppers is second overall pick. Yeah, not it's not really a reach. <laughs> Greg, I thought you would have been up about him roasting Bill Belichick's squib kick decision. He yeah. well, That was a terrible decision. And yeah. he was that kick. He was pretty buttered about that. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you were too. I was too. Yeah, it was dumb. You should take Belichick <laughs> to task for that, dude. Yeah, give it to us. Give it. Give us the uh, the Greg Brown Belichick hate minute. Mm. Well, what was? How much time was left? There was like 15 seconds left in the half. You just you just gone up 14 to seven. Mm-hmm. The Panthers have been like absolutely dominated the whole half. With the, at like the two minute warning, they had like zero total yards. Yeah. The one was like one of nine up to that point. Like you had absolutely shit pumped them the whole half and it was 14 to seven. And for some reason, instead of just kicking it deep, they do this stupid squib kick, which gets returned to like midfield one play later. It's a 50 yard field goal and it's good. And then yeah, you go in without momentum. I, I think you're kind of uh, glossing over the fact that that one play was just like a run up the middle. The Patriots just did not defend. Well, yeah. If that play happens from your 20-yard line, it doesn't matter. Like, when does a kick ever get to the fucking 50-yard line? Yeah, that's Just fair. play the odds. Play the numbers. It doesn't make any sense. Do your job, Belichick, we've, as we've some seen, would say. We've seen uh, the Colts kick off to the Patriots in this exact situation, and Bethel Johnson takes to the house. That's a good game. point, Andy. So I think he is playing the numbers. Mm. As long as that doesn't happen, we're okay. 
Field goal? Yeah, okay, we're still winning. You you think he's okay with giving up field goal there? Probably not, but I think he in the in the moment that decision was the right decision because there's the least amount of chance of of giving All up. Right. Let's talk about the other That's big coaching crazy. decision here in this game, and I want to get Bobby's thoughts on this. Cool. Was the Panthers going for two? somewhat early in the fourth quarter because phil sims hated that decision. sims hated it i was like the first thing he said at the end of the game was like well they'll be second guessing that i was like what? yeah he, he <laughs> brought it back so. to shit on him again yeah. <laughs> so let's set it up right it's 12 48 left in the fourth quarter deshaun foster's sick ass touchdown makes it 21 16 yeah yeah i think all three timeouts left so it was a fair a whole quarter to play. A lot of football left, yeah. Kicking it puts you down, what, four? Three. Going for two oh, gets yeah. you in within three. Mm-hmm. So they go for two and don't get it, so they're down five. Correct. I mean, there's two schools of thought here. Like, there's the school of thought of, like, don't go for two until you have to. But in the context of this game, I, I, may, I have mixed feelings. In the context of this game, I kind of liked it because I was just like, your point scoring opportunities have been really limited so far. Maximize them, get within three. Hell yeah. Um, so I think it made sense ultimately. That said, my the other part of my brain says, motherfuckers, you don't have an offense to get a two-point t- conversion in this game. And they didn't. <laughs> That's true. Like you weren't like this ain't Philly special. You didn't have a play in your back pocket. And That's so true. It was it was maybe maybe sort of like from a strategic standpoint the right call except you you weren't you weren't equipped to win on it so I don't know yeah the, the yeah. play did and not look good speaking of having a play in the pocket oh I know right yeah that's the difference in the coaching stats right is Belichick had a play for a two point conversion when they that needed I guarantee it. that they had practiced multiple times correct. Even yeah, though this right. was their first two-point conversion attempt of the entire season. And Came remembering that Super team Bowl. and John Fox, I fucking guarantee the Panthers did not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question. Is this the first direct snap to Kevin Falk? Oh, no. No. I don't, They've been I don't running this uh, since the Bledsoe days. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. You never read Andy's blog post? Yeah. There's a blog post about it. Yeah. Uh, Evolution of a play, yeah. It's been around for ages, and they always seem to break it out like when they need it the most. Yeah. Um, and it was here. Uh, they did it in 2006 when they needed two points against the uh, Chargers in the Marlon McCree-Troy Brown interception mm-hmm. fumble game. Um, they did it in the Falcon Super Bowl with James White. They did it in 07 where they actually faked it. They snapped it to Brady. Brady pretended like it went over his head, even though he had the ball. And so they faked the run and then Brady threw a touchdown. So they've uh they've run this play a lot, but it's like it's that absolutely have to have this point play. Whereas I think beforehand, like back in the Bloodso days, they'd run it in midfield just for shits and giggles. Um which came off the heels of the Vrabel touchdown that I think everybody associates this game with on some level. Yeah, I I still think um, this is my hot take for this game. Mike Vrabel should have been uh, Super Bowl MVP. He had two Agreed. sacks. He had a strip sack, which set up the first page of touchdown, and he caught a touchdown as a defensive player. How do you not give him MVP? 
I agree. That is Just because it goes to the quarterback. As a non-Patriots fan, for some reason, Mike Vrabel is one of the guys from that era that sticks out in my mind so much, maybe subconsciously because of this game. Yeah, and uh, he caught, what, eight touchdowns in his career or something like that? Yeah. I think he, he had eight passes, uh, eight receptions on eight attempts uh, for eight touchdowns. I bet the tight ends love that. With like nine yards. <laughs> but, yeah, and they also, I thought it was interesting, the commentators were talking about Mike Vrabel saying, I think it was after he caught the touchdown maybe, uh, that he aspires to be a coach someday and wants to go back to Ohio State and is hoping that they would give him a uh, like assistant coaching job after he finishes playing. Bam. And he said that if he ever was to become a coach, that if his team made the Super Bowl, he would cut off his penis. <laughs> he did say that. I think that was later. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, when did he also, say that? Also been the dream. Two seasons ago. <laughs> that was a thing? Yeah, he's like, I cut off my own dick to, to get yeah. to the Super Bowl. Not, yeah. not said when he was 25-year-olds. No, no. Said two years ago as head coach of an NFL franchise. Yeah, <laughs> as a young 12-year-old boy, he nope. said, if I ever leave the, the Houston Oilers to the Super Bowl, <laughs> cut off my penis. And then, of course, they got renamed as the Titans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so do we want to do the commentator, Steve? I know you said you had some notes. I, I've already said all of my notes. Really? Because I have Except one more. For, uh, Phil Sims blaming Ty Law for the blown coverage on the touchdown when it was Asante Samuel. Yeah, yeah it definitely was. I'm sure Greg was, <laughs> Greg was mad about that, but happy that he called out Bill Belichick for a shitty squib quick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I there, The one other quote that I had was um, Phil Sims saying, neither team is big on celebrating or trash talking. I'm thinking to myself, have you met Steve Smith and or Rodney Harrison? Like yeah. that's their Sims, fucking You're projecting jam. yourself on this game. <laughs> right. What the fuck, dude? Did, like both of them, that's all they do is trash talk the entire fucking time. Greg Gumbel did call Adam Venetari's game-winning field goal. I don't know if you caught that too. Oh, I missed that. What did he say? He's like, oh, maybe he'll have a, an opportunity to redeem himself and kick kick for the win. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. That was before the Rables TD. Yeah. Um, all right, since we're not going to trash on the commentators, how about we trash on the referees? Because this was an Ed fucking uh-huh. hockey league game, made it all about him. I didn't they... notice referees at all. I thought they oh, were perfectly fine. No, how many penalties were there? There was a shit ton. There was uh, New England eight penalties for sixty yards. Carolina twelve penalties for seventy three yards. I'd say mm. a good half of those were ticky tack. They were just like fucking Ed hockey league wanted to hear himself talk, wanted to be fucking uh, major league baseball umpire taking control of the game or like a fucking NBA basketball referee being mm. the, the center of attention. I do vaguely remember there being periods of this game that were frustrating with lots of penalties. I, I remember, I think Andy's just butthurt. No. Well, I mean, uh, all right, let's go. One, let's go to the, the last one, the Detroit Brown offensive pass interference. You're going to tell me one, that was a legit call. There was one stretch where I was like, this is getting out of hand where, they had a measurement three plays in a row and then called a challenge after the third measurement. <laughs> and like that was in the first quarter or the first half when the game was just a slog fest anyways. And like three straight plays with they're like, okay, come on, measure it out. And you're just like, Oh fuck. Not again. It's not Basketball. exciting, but it's kind of fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fun. I mean, it, it is interesting too. Like, you know, Shortly after this is when the NFL uh, 
change the um, illegal contact rule. Yes. And like that Panthers Eagles NFC championship got often cited as a game that caused them to change the rule when like, I mean, I haven't gone back and watched it, but it seems pretty clear that in retrospect, like the Panthers secondary, like absolutely fucking robbed the Eagles in that game and was just like, fuck them up at every moment. Yeah. And that, that game was often cited as the, one of the key exhibits for the NFL to like change the illegal contact rules. And it makes you wonder if in the immediate aftermath, there wasn't some sort of conversation about that shit. I think if that's exhibit a, then exhibit B is uh, the Patriots Colts game where the, the the Patriots defense just manhandled that red hot Colts offense. Yep. And so, yeah, I think, and that was the two, what conference championship games, both of those. Yeah, and so <laughs> you basically have this defense. It's it's interesting. You know, Ricky Manning had three picks in that game, and Ty Law had three picks in the Pats game. Oh shit! Called the it? Ricky Manning Ty Law rule. God damn! So this yeah. this kind of like these two teams are very kind of parallel to each other, mm. which makes sense why it was such a close scoring game. Are we? I just gotta ask: Are we talking about the halftime show at all? Oh uh, like, yeah, I was. I, I think was we ha- just looking. Oh, is that. that this one? So I th- yeah, I, I want to say that this is the uh, the the triple Xiest uh, Super Bowl that was in the XXX range of Super Bowls because they no longer are because this is thirty nine so XXX V thirty eight yeah so we're getting close to the the fucking Timber Lake man yeah so yeah Greg did I I it's kind of so just assumed you had notes on this. <laughs> It's just so audacious that they could even think to call this a wardrobe malfunction. She had a tassel around her nipple. <laughs> so what are we talking about here? I have <laughs> think a story she's just about that. She just wears those under her clothes without the intention of showing them. I have tassels Wait, on my nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? <laughs> people just like bought it too no one everyone was like okay wardrobe malfunction huh. also, what were you trying to accomplish i mean the last line of the song is i'm gonna have you naked by the end of this song yeah. I mean, come on people come on people <laughs> and then he grabs he grabs like a piece of clothing right right at her her, her breast area and pulls it what what if it was if it didn't malfunction what was supposed to happen this is probably my <laughs> defining memory of this as a kid because we had tivo and I had just gotten people. Oh, thank God. We were, like, bleep, bleep. we were like, what did I just watch? Wow, this thing is the best. We just rewinded that shit like a million times. So I was at college watching this too. And we were all in like the, the main common room. And we like wheeled the TV in because this was back in the days before like flat screens and shit. So we had the TV, like we wheeled somebody's TV in, whoever had the biggest one. And we're all watching it. And so it was halftime and like everybody else left to like, you know, go pee or grab some food or more drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there watching this thing by myself alone in, in this like empty room. And that happens. I'm like, Oh, did, did that, did, did I just see yeah. boob on live TV? And I had nobody to validate it with me. I'm like, I, I don't know. And this is like kind of before like live internet's happening. So you can't go, no, and, like, you can go on Twitter look, and find yeah, out. You can't go on Twitter yep. and, and like ask people. So you're like, I think you just saw boob on TV. And so everybody came back. I'm like, guys, you missed it. There was boobs on TV at the halftime show. And they're like, yeah, go fuck yourselves. Wow. Like, we're, so we're sticking your shit already. Like, yeah, no, what a wasn't. strange moment. A viral moment before viral moments were things. And yeah, like, yeah. I just remember it as like, it kind of happened. 
and then there was like this pause and then they like the lights went out yeah and it was just like wait everyone what? just looked at them each other and be like did i just yeah just like yeah. andy was did i just see that or yeah was that nipple no in that's the, nipple. In the question is obviously staged right but how far up did it go Mm. Like obviously Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake knew it was happening. Did yes. the show producers know it was happening? Did the NFL know it was happening? Bill Did Sims the people that had commercials? <laughs> Bill Sims, they could have told Bill Sims, and you have no clue. As, as Phil, to quote Phil Sims in this game, you're allowed to push him around every now and then. That's what I do up here in the booth. <laughs> That's Jeez, true. Yeah. Maybe spicy. he's talking about boobies. He knows. He knows about you know. He knew. He yeah. knew it was coming. Fucking Phil Sims. Oh boy. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, ballsy move though. I I gotta give very, him props. You know, I think very. I think if they uh just if they were just if they just leaned into it and were they were like, yeah, you saw what you saw. Yeah. What do you <laughs> how do you like that shit? We'll put that on the Super Bowl for you. Yeah. I would have loved it. But the fact that they immediately tried to walk it back and be like, no yeah. malfunction. It's like, come on. No, you, you can't know, like commit and then backtrack immediately. Yeah. Go Back then it. they probably would have been What's wrong with a little nipple? It's 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 very European. Just to be like no, you, you guys aren't cultured enough. You know what it is? I don't know the world was ready for that in two thousand. It was yeah, it was two thousand four, Greg. Yeah. yeah. People, Still people. let's not pretend Justin Timberlake didn't tuck that shit right onto his resume. <laughs> this was this was building a brand before building a brand was a thing. Bob's <laughs> got a great point here. Yeah. Although Greg, you know, you know why why they didn't uh cop to it? It's because it was uh very naughty. Yeah. Very <laughs> and, naughty. and uh our, our boy what is Justin, Justin Timberlake, Andy? Our boy Justin Timberlake. Sometimes a naughty boy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> He's it's been back in the news because uh the Britney Spears documentary. Oh yeah. Apparently it doesn't shine very uh, good light on Timberlake. So he is he's apologized for both that and the Janet Jackson. I'd heard that, yeah. Apparently he yeah. said he was trying to compete with uh Madonna, mm-hmm. Christina Aguilera, and Britney Spears kissed at the MTV Music Awards. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, uh, formulated years there. <laughs> this is consistent with how we perceive Mr. Timberlake. We just, it would be great if he could just be honest about these things. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Like, stop, stop trying to present yourself as like kind of wholesome, dude. Like, mm-hmm. that's not how you are. Yeah. Right. He, he never quite got the line right between am I a bad boy or am I America's sweetheart? No, man. You yeah. were he, fucking... he couldn't make his decision, I think. Mm hmm. Yeah, he wanted the best of both worlds. But yeah, I think he we're thri- he would have thrived on TikTok. For sure. Yes. <laughs> oh god. There's, yeah. there's still time. <laughs> yeah, there's still over. time. Um, um also uh this is in Houston and then they did a NASA tribute in the pregame is the one year anniversary of the Columbia disaster. Oh sure. One year? Wow. Yes. Wow. Well, way to bring it down right before I was going to segue into that um, halftime show not being the sexiest thing to happen in this game. You talking about Tom Brady? Uh, no, actually. Here, I will share my screen so you gentlemen can can share in this with me. And you're saying this is sexier than Janet Jackson's boob? It is, yes. Um, this is that right after, right before the halftime kickoff, there was this gentleman. 
who dressed up as a referee, got to midfield, and then took off the vast majority of his clothes and went streaking. And then our good friend of the podcast, Matt Chatham, with oh. <laughs> quite possibly the best tackle of the game. He bodies him. Yeah, this game, uh, Matt Chattel with, with the, the neck roll at this point and like the, the arm sleeves and everything, just absolutely. The view from the end zone is better. It's the best view shoulder when you hit the turf. The view from the end zone's best. He's like, oh no, I give up, I give up. And Matt Chattel's oh, like, God. No, we don't give up in this game. Well, yeah, if Matt Chad doesn't hit him, that Panthers guy's going to yeah. get him. He's, and then just kind of like walks but off. But to be like, clear, yeah, so like this like 45-year-old guy, I'm thinking pretty overweight. Um, in a jock strap and a ref's hat, and that's it. Running down the field is sexier than Jan Jackson. No, the hit was sexier. Oh, oh, the hit part of it. Yeah. Was, oh, that makes more I sense. I mean, yeah, he Sexiest. got he got fucked up. Yeah, yeah, they had like the medics on the field. I think. <laughs> I mean, and can so, we, can we also can we also just talk? I mean, you guys have been rewatching old games, but yes. So you're, this is probably your yeah. I'm just like. Man, pre high def. What the fuck is that shit? Mm. It might as well have been You've 1985 watching that footage. Yeah, actually, I mean, when we, yeah, when we first started, they didn't have the yellow first down line, and it was so uh, hard to watch. You're like, wait, yeah. and they, they didn't so have weird. like the uh, the score bug up all the time. It only showed like when the play was starting. Yeah, so you get to be like, where are they bad? on the field? What down is it? I don't even know what's going on right now. So hard to follow. Yeah, very weird. Just watching that highlight, I was just like, I was distracted by the, the pixels, fucking yeah, archaic the no, presentation. Like the Monday night footballs it's, and the you Sunday know what night it is? Super Bowls, they always have a little bit better quality than the regular season shit. Yep, it's I, I think it's like watching football as like my wife Kelly watches it. Where there's no perception of like what down is it, how how much time's left, but like ooh, exciting play. Yeah, I'll watch that and then just like drift <laughs> off for a bit. Ooh, exciting play. I'll watch that. You know, like that's her fan experience, which is similar to like pre-yellow line and clock and shit. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, every play has like less significance when it's like that because it's like I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, could be a first down, could be. I don't know. Are we winning? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't matter. know if we're winning. Who I have to wait till they bring the chains on the field to know what's happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true though. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's been almost like relearning how to watch some of these little football games. Because like, oh fuck, I actually have to pay attention to like how far we got. Is that a first down? Eh, nobody knows. Yeah, no, the uh, and but they're starting to get better. We're getting closer to high def, I think, in 2003. Um, another, another interesting little anecdote from this game the kick returner and like third string running back is none other than Rod Smart. He hate me from XFL Glory. I thought I recognized that name, but I couldn't place it. That was Uh, really he hate me. Damn, he hates yeah. this game. Is sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another like character on this Panthers team. Yeah, he's not had awesome. good success returning kicks in this game. I will say you don't care, Al. No, he, I awesome. don't think he got back to the twenty. Troy did really well. Troy, yeah. So Troy Brown was returning punts, and then all of a sudden he wasn't, and then he was again, and then there were no more punts. Is how this game seemed to go. He got that knee in the like through the face mask early. Yeah. I, I don't know if he oh, broke his nose, but he, yeah. he came back on the field. He just had like the, the tissue just wedged up in there. <laughs> He's playing like that. Yeah. That's a sweet, that's a sweet shot. Throw it trotting out there with a wad of stuff up his nose. Yeah. Looks you can see badass. the red starting to like leak through it. 
Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, another interesting he hate me note is that upon retirement, Jake DeLome got into like owning horses and shit like that. And one of the horses that he he raced, he had named She Hate Me. <laughs> okay. Assuming the horse is, hated him. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was a reference to that. And apparently yeah, Spike probably Lee a difficult had a horse lady. that just like bit him all the time. So he mm-hmm. called her he she hate me. There was also players in the XFL that were playing against He Hate Me's team that put on their nameplate, I hate he, and the other guy put, I hate he too. (laughs) The number two or the letter T-O-O? T-O-O. Oh my God. Yeah. Imagine taking yourself seriously, having I hate he too on your jersey, which is a response to a teammate who's response to an opponent. <laughs> what's what's great is like thinking about this through our modern lens of like, this is the shit people do on Twitter now. But in yeah. these days, dudes were like getting jerseys made with this. Yeah. That was the only way you could like get your name out was by like putting something ridiculous in your jersey. Yeah, like these were guys trying to do the equivalent of In going viral. A certain amount of characters viral was a thing. <laughs> yeah, you got like 15 characters to fucking get your name out there. Make your name it. Which yeah. honestly is probably the that is the defining piece of the XFL. You know, oh, yeah. XFL He Hate Me is probably like the most. Mm-hmm. That and uh, XFL MVP Tommy Maddox actually starting some games for the. The other part I remember of the XFL clearly was the inside of the coin flip. They just put the ball in the middle. And oh, the kick, the yeah. kickoff rule. That was the greatest thing. Two yeah. guys would run at each other. Yeah. yeah. And the guy like tore his ACL on like the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Opening <laughs> day. Oh, this, <laughs> like this leads off. to injuries. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. No one predicted this. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome though. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants Such it? A good Come idea. get it. Yeah. yeah. Like we should bring this back. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we did uh, that, that bomb too oh boy all right y'all do best yeah. and worst yeah sure so bobby uh growing up in the brown house we at dinner time we always have to do best and worst go around the table and give our best of the of the day and the worst of the day so we've brought that over to the podcast for the game so uh you're more than welcome to participate but we're putting you on the spot so if you have any best and worst just of either the Super Bowl or this Panthers season in general, uh, feel free. Thankfully, uh, your mother has, uh, you know, spent enough time with with her grandchildren that I'm very familiar with best and yeah. worst. Oh, okay. say, Bobby knows about best and worst. Um, best and worst, best and worst. I mean, enduringly the worst for me was the kickoff going out of bounds in this game. It's the thing I remember is the biggest, like, regret what the fuck moment. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I just remember at the end of that game, like tying it up in the end, it was a moment that felt like it felt like the whole season. It was just like, this is it a game we shouldn't win, but we're going to have a chance to win. And the kick and the kick out of bounds was just such a fucking punch in the stomach from a, from a guy who otherwise had just been so stalwart, like John Casey kicked it out of bounds on it on kickoff like what yeah yeah so, so that was my worst like I, I i'll never forget that uh i think best best for this game was was definitely the muhammad touchdown it was just such a like fuck you moment um because it was third and 10 uh, yeah it was at just the like, 15 
And the first two passes had to look real bad. The Patriots well, yeah. defensive line were like ragdolling DeLome all over the place. And DeLome tossed that ball just like up. Like yeah. that shit rainbowed so high and so hard. Um, but I think that that was my best. Yeah, the, the best for the game. The, the, I mean, I'll still just say like, I'll go back a second. And we talked about it briefly, but. That, that Rams game is my favorite Panthers game of all time. And I, I, re- I watched it at a friend's house and it was, uh, I mean, it, it was like happening over like Christmas break, I think, because it was that time of year, you know what I mean? So I was home mm. and my my buddies from home who were Panthers fans were all over there. We're at this house and like, this house was like a family. They had four kids and it was like, it was like literally we called it the game house growing up because his parents when i was like game nuts on friday all these fucking kids over there right like literally like 30 kids over there um and we go over there and we're like in a back bedroom watching this game and these people are not football fans this is like where we went to play like board games right and like dungeons and dragons so like we're like watching a panthers game hardcore in the other room and i'm like losing my fucking shit i'm like totally losing my shit and uh the thing i remember from after that game was uh Oh, you know what it was? I was about to leave to after that game to drive back to Davidson. And uh, the oldest son in that family, Scott, went there with me. He was a year older than me. So I was going to give him a ride back. And I just remember their mom, Maxine, who was like this really nice, like soft-spoken woman. I just remember vividly her looking at me in the living room. And like, I've known this woman my whole life. I've been around her a hundred times, but... I probably had like three direct conversations with her ever. And she just looks at me and she just goes, she had clearly heard my like insanity from the other room and just goes, I really love you. But if the Panthers had lost this game, I was not going to let my son drive back with you. <laughs> I, I so, that's awesome. Yeah. A Maxine, classic Maxine. Classic Maxine. Always. <laughs> All right. Well, my best is learning that my brother-in-law plays Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Listen, we can talk about that later. All right. Dungeons All right. And Dragons a lot of sweet. a lot of things happened it. on game night. Okay. D and D's legit, my friend. Not I that. never played, but uh, I'm I'm very intrigued by it. it I'm with yeah. Greg. It's it's uh I've done it before. You got you got to have somebody I need a, running. I need a dungeon master. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Honestly, this this uh podcast is too much of a commitment i can't imagine a dungeons and dragons i feel like it's gonna be even more yeah you need somebody who like knows what they're doing and runs oh so you need somebody who like preps a whole like eight pages of show notes every week edits the episodes runs the website so what i'm saying is i don't don't have enough time because i'm doing this podcast (laughs) later i can introduce you guys to joel who used to work as an aerospace engineer for delta and got laid off during the pandemic and now is just a full-time dungeons and dragons dungeon master i meet with him on wednesdays every three weeks don't worry about it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no i've got a few friends like that too they, they 3d print little mini you. they 3d print their their people uh so when you're in person you can you can be your own little guy and they set up all sorts of yeah good times so is that your worst or your best andy i can't remember oh uh, that was one of my best <laughs> <laughs> um no my actual best for this game was dion branch catching his first ever career playoff touchdown just happened to be in the Super Bowl. Huh. And happened to be uh, a long one, actually. It was one that kind of kicked off the... Actually, no, his his was the uh, the play-action one early. So that was good. Um, and then 
my worst was Reliance Stadium as a stadium. I thought the grass was like the turf itself seemed pretty bad. Like nobody could stay on their feet for the whole game. And I'm going to blame the stadium for Adam Vinatieri's misses because he has only missed up until this point four field goals indoors, all four of them in the stadium because the other two were against the Houston Texans when they're playing in Reliance Stadium earlier this this season, season before, whenever that was. Whatever. Go ahead and blame all blame all David Carsacks on the turf. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what else you can blame on this turf? Uh, John Casey kicking the ball out of bounds on the kick. There we go. See? So there you go. War, Just yeah. No double standards, all right? Yeah. Or Andy, enemy. the commentators are wrong, and the refs really fucked that up. Yeah, but really, it was but, the, it was the the stadium. the whole The whole thing was a joke, except for the two teams. That's a good uh, segue into my best, actually. All right, give it to me. So I was watching this, and there's so many plays in this game that remind me of other big Patriots plays mm. that happened either before or after. I'm listening. So the Adam Vinatieri game-winning field goal, very similar to the one against the Texans earlier in the year, which. If you're gonna go back, actually watch one of the games from the season that you don't maybe not remember, that's a good one. You think? Yeah. The Texans game. Yeah, that was a that was mm. a close game the whole way through, and it went all the way almost to the whole way length overtime. That was the longest game in Tom Brady's career. That's true. If I remember correct. I don't remember being a good game. The Vrabel <laughs> strip sack looked exactly like Hightower. Mm-hmm. Against, oh, the, against Falcons. the Falcons, yeah. That was like just mirror image flipped on the other side of the field, but. Mm. The same gets like he's rearing back to throw, gets him right in the arm, and he just drops it on the ball. It just chops the arm. Um, it's great. There was a coverage by Tyrone Poole on Steve Smith where he pulls the the Steph play. Yeah, he looks back oh, for the, it. The Gilmore and play, out yeah. That's it down with the, with his offhand, which is great because I think that was the only play Tyrone Poole made the entire game. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, he didn't I have agree. a great game, but he had that sick Steph Gilmore looking one. He did. He did. There was a Wiggins sighting of him hurdling people like in the Raiders game. True. Yeah. There's the direct snap to Kevin Falk, which looked a lot like the James White one, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was just getting a lot of flashbacks to other Patriots games in this one. It's like a amalgamation of all those other big plays sort of in this one, but just different versions of it that you don't actually quite remember those plays. Like if you had to pull one play out of this, it's probably the Vrabel touchdown. Yeah. Which again is also reminiscent of Super Bowl next year in 2004. Yeah. Yes, it's true. Touchdown. So that's a great that's a great best. What do you got for your worst? Uh, Tom Brady's interception. Oh, in the end zone. Like he's been doing that this season a few times, mostly against the Colts, where they drive down all and he's ready to put his foot on the team's throat and just like end it as a contest. And he throws that interception like deep in enemy territory or in the end zone, give them life. And wasn't that right before the the big? Yeah, that was yeah right right before the. Uh, 85 yard Muhammad 85 yard touchdown yeah yeah like literally yeah they they're inside the what the nine or something yeah, like yeah that. three plays like, later. inside the 10 yard line you throw an interception on the goal line yep Bad and you're up too. you know 21 10 at that point you go 28 10 with you know 748 left in the kick a field goal at least you're yeah cruising yep so yeah that was that was a bad one i blocked that out of my mind i didn't even write it that down fuck it <laughs> it is also sort of similar to not really but the pick six he threw in the falcons game you know we're like god yeah, damn it we're just finally getting something going yeah all right greg what you got for me boy 
So going back, I just wanted to mention this, the Hurricanes goalie. I found the article on it. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. Hilarious. So this guy is, they're playing in Toronto. That's what it is. He is like, he's the emergency goalie, but he he lives and works in Toronto for like their AHL team. And he sometimes subs in and practices with Toronto the Maple Leafs as just like their third goalie during practice. So <laughs> I think he's the emergency goalie for both teams. I think that's, that's how, how it works. Yeah. Logistics work out. So they, they both the starters for the hurricanes get injured. This guy's a 42 year old. He's the Zamboni driver for an <laughs> AHL team. That's right. <laughs> he comes off the bench. He's wearing a Maple Leafs goalie face mask, the helmet. <laughs> and he comes in and plays against the Maple Leafs for the Hurricanes, gives up goals on his first two shots, <laughs> and then settles down, uh, block, stops his last eight, and ends up winning the game for the Hurricanes. That's amazing. Yeah, and they're making a Disney movie about it. Nice. As they should. So, pretty cool story. Um my best, I think, Vrabel, I think you kind of stole it earlier, but he was, uh, he, I think he had a case for MVP, you know, two <laughs> sacks, forced fumble, tackle for loss, and a touchdown. Pretty impressive game. Yeah. My worst, um, that, not that they'd know in retrospect, but the, all the fawning they kept doing over Jerry Richardson every time they showed him in the box is kind of <laughs> like cringy at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Changed the culture know, and how yeah. he would do anything to win. It's like, well. Mm-hmm. This um, is true. Yeah, they, they did that cut right before the the kick, where they cut to Robert Kraft, and he's sitting there holding hands with people next yeah, to him, and Myra's yeah. right there, and everyone's like, "Oh!" And then they cut to Jerry Richardson. He's sitting by himself, legs crossed, arms crossed, just looking so pissed yeah. off. Just like, arms crossed across that like big old gut of his. Yeah, he's a weirdly shaped man. Sometimes he, 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 just, he had like a resting bitch face, anyways, and he looked even more pissed off there. Yeah. Yeah, you want to hear the if, for any of those that never read up on what happened. Obviously, he had, he was forced to sell the team. So this is from the article I was reading. Friday was Jeans Day when most staffers at the Panthers team offices would wear denim to work. The female employees knew what that meant. As the team's owner, Jerry Richardson made his rounds on his way to a spacious office. He would he would ask women to turn around so he could admire their backsides. <laughs> Uh, then in, in his in his rolling southern drawl, he'd offer comment, drawing from a store of one-liners he'd recycle each week. Among those in heaviest rotation, show me how you wiggle to get those jeans up. <laughs> oh. I bet you had to lay down on your bed to fit into those jeans. Oh, no. Did you step into those jeans or did you have to jump into them? Oh, my God. <laughs> So the cringiest, creepiest old fucking man shit. Bob's face right now is classic. (laughs) Very naughty. Yeah. Show me how you wiggle. Imagine a fucking billionaire team owner saying that to someone in your presence. A man who wiggles uh, just like generally. He's probably jiggling down the fucking hallway himself, dude. (laughs) Yeah, he's wiggling to get his own fucking slots. He knows from personal experience what it takes. Just kidding. Uh, they're, they're expertly hemmed to fit his gut precisely. <laughs> so watching Phil Sims and Greg Gumble like fawn over him during a Super Bowl was just like, who? <laughs> yeah, 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 tough. So that that's my worst. Fair enough. Who's the owner now? Uh, David Tepper. I don't know who he 
He's another billionaire. I, he, he seems to be doing good We're things with the program. Yeah. Bobby, comments? I mean, I'm pretty disassociated at this point. Fair My enough. read on him is like he's cut from the like ambitious entrepreneur cloth. I did look like Jerry Richardson in those seats, but okay. Uh, all right. Well, this has been yet another successful season. Bobby, thank you for joining us. Indeed. Great. Um, Steve, Greg, thank you for joining me on this journey again. Greg, thanks for watching the game. Yeah, thanks for watching this game. Thanks Steve, thank you for thanking me. Greg, thank <laughs> you for thanking me for thanking you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, and mom for listening. Sometimes thank you, mom, for listening. <laughs> Shout out, mom. <laughs> What's up, Mom? I love you. Yeah, for, for everything. Um, yeah, and so this wraps up the 2003 NFL season. We'll be back soon with uh, the start of the 2004 season when eventually we'll probably see the Patriots lose one day. Wagon it's, keeps rolling, baby. It's been a while. I think we're 16 wins in so far. If we're only Donovan win. McNabb didn't get tired. <laughs> <laughs> He had an upset a, tummy. Okay. Yeah, he, he, had upset belly. Tummy, he had some bad shellfish. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what Terrell Owen said. <laughs> I mean, maybe he shouldn't have Fred X'd it. Should have got a fresh. Mm. Ooh. Hey. Uh, but we'll see you next season on the Pages Dynasty podcast. But until then, we'll see you later. See you later. See you later.